Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 98. Taking your first Royal Caribbean cruise is very exciting, but there's a lot to know before you ever step foot on board a Royal Caribbean ship, from the best way to book your cruise, to being prepared for what's waiting on board, to where to eat, and so much more. There's quite a bit to cover. So this week, I will share what first-time cruisers need to know so your first Royal Caribbean cruise is a huge success. Here we go. One of the goals of this podcast has always been to help you have a better Royal Caribbean cruise. Whether you're a first-timer or you've been many, many times, There, I think there's a lot of opportunity to help everybody in having a better cruise experience. And this week, I had an email from one of our listeners, and I think it's really important to cover because I know that a lot of times we talk about things that maybe a lot of Royal Caribbean fans already know about, but it doesn't hurt to cover the basics. And the email this week actually comes from Sally, who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm new to cruising Royal Caribbean. We've taken six Disney cruises and are researching taking a Royal Caribbean cruise, but I don't know where to start. I've listened to all of your podcasts, but maybe I missed the one that combines the points a newbie needs to know about searching for or booking a Royal Caribbean cruise. The right ship to choose, type of dining, ships that only have main dining rooms versus the restaurants for an upcharge, beverage packages, entertainment, etc. Thanks for the help. And Sally, I think this is a great email and something that I think a lot of people struggle with, especially if you're new or you're just you're still considering yourself new to Royal Caribbean. Maybe you've taken one cruise. But you know, you're not exactly sure you're doing it the right way. And let's face it, everyone can always benefit from a little bit of help here and there, right? I mean, there's always something that you can pick up. Even myself, I, I, I don't claim to know everything about cruising, and I'm always looking to get more information about it. So when you're looking to take your first Royal Caribbean cruise and you don't know where to start, you know, this is a common question. And I think one of the first places before you ever go online, obviously, I would recommend checking out RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Of course, that's quite self-serving of myself, but... You know, when you start to get into it and you start yourself, okay, I'm really interested in taking a Royal Caribbean cruise. Where should I start? I think one of the most important things that I really direct people towards is a travel agent. And the reason why I direct people to a travel agent is because of the knowledge. There is a huge knowledge gap, obviously, that you're dealing with when you're coming into a Royal Caribbean cruise. You want to know everything, right? You want to make sure you're having a great vacation. There's a lot to consider. And Sally just rattled off about half a dozen things that she was concerned about, but there's obviously others as well. Now, what I like about using a good travel agent, and there is a difference, and I'll, and I'll tell you that, um, you know, there's there not all travel agents are made equal, and I think every travel agent out there would probably tell you the exact same thing. Someone that specializes in a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is the kind of travel agent you want to be able to leverage. They are not just a person that's going to book it for you and take your credit card number. They're there to be your advocate, to be your guide, in this, and when you're new to Royal Caribbean cruising, I think they're vitally important because not only can they help you get a good deal and all that, that's always, that's always a good consideration, something everyone's always interested in, but more importantly, they're going to offer you personalized advice about what might be good for you. If you've got older kids, maybe they're going to direct you towards a class of ships like, say, the Oasis class or the Quantum class, or perhaps. It's just, you know, uh, you're a couple and you're looking to cruise and you want to go to Europe. What's the best ship that's there for you? I mean, there's a lot of considerations. And I think a travel agent can really help this whole process along. I got to say, they really provide a good service. But again, the good ones really do get their money's worth in terms of what Royal Caribbean pays them, of course, because a good travel agency costs you absolutely nothing. It's the cruise line that pays them, not you. And again, they're there to be your advocate, whether you use them to just, you know, a few questions or you're, you're sending them an email every day, regardless, they're there to help. That's why they got into the, the travel agency business, because they want to help people plan a good cruise. So I really believe, honestly and truly, using a travel agent is something very, very important to, to use when you're first getting started. But once you're 
kind of in the ballpark here of trying to figure this all out. You know, and, and you're you're down the road here. Okay, it's time to start planning. You know, what's the right ship to choose? That was a question Sally brought up. And and there are a lot of differences. We talk a lot about. There's a number of classes where you're. You have, of course, the Quantum class, the Oasis class, the Freedom class, the Voyager class, the Radiance class, the Vision class, and there's still one ship left in the Sovereign class. That's a lot. And honestly, I don't blame you if you don't keep track of them all. There's a lot of nuances and differences. Essentially, it just comes down to size and amenities and how new they are. I think the the gap between the ship classes has been narrowed quite a bit, thanks in large part to what Royal Caribbean's done with their fleet-wide upgrades. Starting a couple of years ago, actually right around when I started the blog, Right, or so let's like let's call it 2011. Royal Caribbean started upgrading all the ships to bring to it the type of amenities you found in the Oasis class. And at the time, the older ships in the fleet, the ones that had been in service already for maybe five, ten, or more years, they just you know there was a huge gap in terms of what an Oasis class ship offered you and say a Radiance class ship or even a Voyager class ship for that matter. But that's that that difference has been narrowed considerably, and I really believe that. It's not nearly as important as it once was. Nearly all the ships in the fleet have gotten their upgrades. Really, one consideration is make sure it has gotten its refurbishment since 2011. There's only a few that are left that haven't. Jewel of the Seas is one six out of my mind that has not gotten it yet. But and even then, I would still I still love going on Jewel of the Seas. So you know, <laughs> there's that. But I think that it's it's an important part to start with. But you know, where you're going is probably going to tie into the kind of ship that you're looking for. But also, who's going with you? And I mentioned earlier. Kids are a huge part of that. If you've got kids that are going to be pool-centric, especially the younger kids, you might want to be leaning towards the ships that are larger, that are newer, that have more four kids on them. But if maybe you're going with, maybe your, your kids are grown up, or maybe you're grown up and you're, you're not sailing with kids, whatever the case may be, you can have some other options out there. And of course, where you're going. In Europe, you're going to have a whole different option to choose from than when you're looking at a Caribbean cruise. So... I think you got to figure out who's going on it and what's important to you. In fact, what I recommend doing is start a list. What's important to you on a cruise? What are you looking to do? Are you looking to have constant entertainment all the time? Are you looking for somewhere to put on your sunglasses, sit by the pool, have a drink, and that's your definition of a lot of fun? Are you looking to visit incredible ports, ports that you never thought you'd be able to get to before? you got to write these down and order them in priority. What's the most important thing to you? You know, for, for me... I have a I have two daughters and for me I think it's a lot about is is obviously having them having a great time as a family is probably the most important factor these days. So we're more interested in going on ships that have things for them to do, things that they can be happy with and also have services for them so that me and my wife can have some time alone to be able to enjoy the cruise as well. But I know that there are friends out there of mine that that's not nearly as important. So but you want to write these things down and order them because when you have this list, I know it sounds a little like silly, like, why am I making a list? I can think of this in my head. But truly, when you write them down and you see the list in order, and then you look at the ships and where you're going, all of it starts to come together a little bit. And I think it's a really easy thing to do, and it'll help you, honestly, in figuring out what each ship offers and kind of go down there. For me, when I look at a ship, does the ship have a nursery? That's an important factor. I've got a, what is she now, five-month-old? You know, she needs that those kinds of services. Obviously, that's not going to be important for everybody out there. But if I'm going on, say, look, we were looking at, I believe, Brilliance of the Seas at one point for a cruise. And if I'm not mistaken, they don't have a nursery on there. So that kind of nicks that as an option. So, you know, these are things that you can kind of figure out. Okay, well, that's one less ship to consider. And it helps narrow the scope. Now, in terms of the main dining room, Sally, I'll actually go through Sally's questions here and then go back to some things that I wanted to also touch upon. You know, 
The only ships that do not have a main dining room at this point, at least as of the recording of this podcast, are the Quantum class. Now, the Oasis class ships are going to, it sounds like, eventually, by the end of this year, more than likely, but no one knows yet when. So as of right now, they still have a main dining room, but the rest of the ship, the Quantum class ships have don't have a main dining room. They have just regular restaurants, a com- combination of complimentary and specialty restaurants. Now, specialty dining is something, a concept, I think, that, that's universal to all Royal Caribbean ships and, frankly, something that you should be aware of. So as a first-timer, you have to understand there are some restaurants on board the ship that are included in your cruise fare and some that cost extra. Now, the ones that are included are pretty straightforward. You can go there whenever they're open. You, you eat there. There's no additional cost, more than likely. I mean, obviously, you can still order things like beverages, like alcohol, right? There might be even in the main dining room, which is included. Sometimes there are items on the menu that have an extra cost to them, like lobster tail or steaks. And those are only, again, there are there is an opportunity to have a steak and a lobster tail for, for free or included in your cruise fare on certain nights of your cruise. But you do have that option of always upgrading. But anyway, in general, there are restaurants that are free. And then there are restaurants that have a surcharge to them. Either they're going to have a cover charge, meaning you pay a flat fee like $25, $35, something like that. And then you can order whatever you want, and everything's included in that price. Or they have restaurants that are a la carte. A good example of a la carte is Izumi, which is the sushi restaurant. You may have heard me wax poetically about once or twice or eight times on this podcast. And that's a restaurant where you don't pay anything to sit down in there, but everything you you order has a charge. Just like any restaurant on land, right? You go to there and you order you know, item A, item B, and item D. Well, you're going to pay for whatever those costs are. Okay, that makes sense. Now, you don't have to eat the specialty restaurants. And the most common question is, well, should I eat the specialty restaurants? Are they that much better? You know, food is one of the most subjective things out there. And I've said that from day one on this podcast. That it's very hard to say, yes, it is, or no, it's not worth it, especially when you're talking about what food is and all that. That being said, I like to eat when I go on a Royal Caribbean cruise to eat at a specialty restaurant one or two nights for my cruise for dinners, especially. Lunches are a little more cavalier. Uh, I don't have necessarily a, a directive one way or the other, but. We like to eat at them because they give a little more variety, a little more choice. I love Izumi. I've mentioned that earlier because I love sushi. And this is a good opportunity to be able to have good sushi on a cruise. So I say, why not? We try a lot of restaurants, mostly for the blog, I'll be honest. You know, a lot of times when, like when we were on Navigator of the Seas, whenever it was last year, two years ago, we went on there and there was the brand new restaurant, Sabor Modern Mexicans. I was like, hey, I got to try it for the blog. And I loved it. And when we're going on Freedom of the Seas in July, we're definitely going to be eating there because we loved it so much. So, you can augment. Some people will eat only especially restaurants. I'm not sure you have to go quite to that extent. I think you can kind of mix and match what works for you. But I think most people, I think most cruisers probably eat a majority of their meals in the complimentary restaurants and then mix in, like I said, a couple of specialty restaurants here and there. Again, everyone's different. There's no right or wrong about it. It's just a matter of what, A, you're comfortable with price-wise. B, what you're, part, what you're comfortable with in terms of food. So taste all that stuff. Uh, there are beverage packages. Okay, that's a good question, Sally. So there are a lot of beverage packages. Some are for unlimited alcohol. Some are for non-alcoholic drinks. And some include both, in fact. There's a variety of them. In general, this is a, a rule for all of them. Essentially, the real, all the beverage packages are good for people that consume a lot of whatever the beverages they include are. By a lot, I, usually, I mean more than a couple per day. The thing with the beverage packages is, do they offer you a value and opportunity to save money? Absolutely. The caveat to that is you have to make sure that you're going to be taking advantage of it every single day. Because if you do the math and you skip a day or you miss a day here and there, it you're going to end up paying more than if you paid for it a la carte. Now, there are other advantages. You could buy the drink package now. And then in your cruise in, say, six months from now, 
you have all your drinks already paid for, you help split up the cost, and maybe that's a better opportunity or value for you in that regard. Sure, I'm not going to deny that. But you should be aware that if you're buying a drink package, odds are you should probably be buying it because you think you're going to be able to take advantage of it every single day. Sea days and port days. Port days are always where it kind of is a little trickier to do. But there are a lot of opportunities. One of the most common ones is the Royal Refreshment Package, which essentially is what used to be called the soda package or the soda card that Royal Caribbean used to do. Basically, it's like six bucks a day, which essentially is if you drink three sodas a day, you'll cover that. And for, I think, a lot of kids out there and adults, that's a very easy thing to do, and it's a fairly low charge. But there's a lot of packages that are out there, and I'll actually link on the show notes for this episode in royalcaribbeanblog.com our listing of the beverage packages, and you kind of mix and choose. There's a lot of articles I've written about the beverage packages, both the alcohol packages and the non-alcohol packages. And again, it just comes down to, can you drink that much over the course of your cruise to make it worth it? If you, The answer is yes. If you look at these numbers and you say to yourself, oh yeah, your gut feeling is like, yeah, I can do it, or Ooh, I'm not sure I could do that. That's kind of your answer right there, I think. Now, in terms of entertainment, you're going to want to make sure you look ahead of what's available to you. Some ships do offer you the opportunity to book your entertainment in advance. Some don't. Usually the newer ships allow you to do it. The older ships are more just, you know, first come, first serve. The good news is if you're saying, oh, man, what if I'm on a ship that doesn't allow me to reserve it? Or what if I can't reserve the ice show anymore or whatever the case may be? Usually when there's no reservations required or, or available, that's usually a sign that you don't need them. I mean, if you show up, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes in advance, that's usually enough for entertainment. I think most shows, if you show up about at least 15, 20 minutes early, you'll make most shows again. The if you're on some of the quantum class ships where or even the Oasis class ships where there are the opportunity to make reservations, you absolutely should because why not? They're free and it gives you an opportunity to make sure that you have a spot in there and you don't have to wait in line and maybe sit somewhere like all the way on the side in the balcony. I mean, you can have a, a decent seat. So, again, you don't need to worry too much about it. Just be aware of where they are and, again, show up early. That's an, that's an important thing. Now, some other things that are kind of important. The cruise compass. For a new cruiser, this is very important. This is the newspaper that you get each evening in your stateroom. It will be delivered to your stateroom by your stateroom attendant. And you can also pick up additional copies if you lose one or you need additional ones from guest services at any time. But the cruise compass is your guide, daily guide, in fact, to what is going on board the ship. There's a lot. Royal Caribbean packs a ton of stuff to do. Now, I, myself included, I don't I think most people take nearly as advantage of everything that's offered as as maybe we should or could, but it's important to be aware of what's there. And one of my things I've always said is, you know, the evening before, so I get the we come back to the room after maybe a night of dinner and dancing or just being out, and we come back to the room and the and the cruise compass is waiting there. What I like to do is sit on, you know, before we go to sleep, look it over and kind of see what's coming up on the docket for the next day and kind of figure out, you know, what we want to do. And then obviously the next day we can carry it with us and see what's going around. But it's really helpful, especially to figure out, you know, be be aware because oftentimes it's like, ah, uh, someone will tell you a story of like, oh man, we were had a great time at the belly flop competition. You're like, ah, oh, geez, I would have loved to have seen that. Well, again, that's what's important about knowing what's going on. So the cruise compass is really important. It can also tell you what the weather forecast for the day because as you know, you're on a cruise ship. Most people don't have internet access. I mean, there's not certainly the weather channel isn't covering the, the weather for the cruise ship. So it's important to also to know what to expect about maybe the next day and what you should wear and all of that. So it's really important to figure out what's going on on board. And it's, it's, what, it's a great tool and something that I think is really underrated. And to give you an idea, actually, speaking of cruise compasses, we actually keep a archive of cruise compasses on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Now, these are cruise compasses that other 
passengers have sent in from their past cruises. So they're not necessarily going to be indicative of what you can expect. But in my experience, they'll give you a pretty good guide of what. It may not be you know exactly 100% as to what will be on your cruise. But even if it's 75%, it'll at least give you an idea of what to expect. And I think that's really helpful. And information is really your key. Now, I talked earlier about kids. And what do you do about your kids on board? Adventure Ocean is the club that Royal Caribbean offers. It's a free program offered to kids as young as three years old and going all the way into their late teens. Basically, it's a free program where kids can go and they can participate in programs. It's very much a, you know, you can drop them off whenever you feel like and pick them up whenever you feel like it. And certainly, it's up to them, obviously, in terms of what they're interested in doing. But it's a supervised program. It's won many, many awards. I love it as a parent. Because my daughter has had a fabulous time on there, and she talks so much about it all the time, always telling us stories about her time there. And when we told her we were going on another cruise soon, she was beyond thrilled because she couldn't wait to get to what she calls camp over there. And Adventure Ocean is wonderful. What you want to do is make sure you register your children on the first day. It's the best time to do it. When you get on board, usually, actually, you'll find a table on your way. Once you make it past the check-in process, so you're in the pier, and you start walking towards you, so they let you in, and you start walking up the gangway to your ship, usually somewhere along the way, if not on right on board the ship, you're going to find a desk with some Adventure Ocean crew members who are there to help you register your kids. But if not, you can always stop by the Adventure Ocean Club at any point in the day. Usually the first day, is it's not open, but it is open for registrations and open houses for you to check it out. And I'll tell you, it's a great thing. And by do, taking advantage of registering them there on their first day, it'll help make sure they're ready to go right away on their first full day, the day two of the cruise, if you will. So that's really important. Uh, now, another thing I mentioned, we talked about the specialty restaurants and you know, kind of a little about that, but there's also important I want to mention, you want to make sure you make reservations for specialty restaurants. If you're interested in eating at Chops Grill or Sabor or Izumi or any of these places I mentioned or, or others that are out there, if something really is interesting to you, make a reservation, especially now before you get on your ship. It'll allow you the opportunity to make sure you pick the day and time, especially if you're looking at holidays. I remember we were on, I think, Navigator of the Season. We wanted to eat, I think we ate at Chops, one of the specialty restaurants, on Valentine's Day. And we wanted to make sure we were, A, had a reservation of Valentine's Day, and B, we wanted a time that was convenient for us, whatever that happened to me, I don't remember. But the important thing was we wanted to have a day and time that was specific. And so making reservations online ahead of time is the best way to ensure that. In my experience, most restaurants, especially outside of the quantum-class ships, the, the especially restaurants really don't ever get all that full. They'll get, they can get very busy, in fact, and there's sometimes you may have to wait. But... I really, I am struggling to think of a time where I've been on a Royal Caribbean cruise and there's been a specialty restaurant that has been so full that they've turned away people. I've just, I don't think I've ever seen it or even something close to that. That being said, you might have to wait and no one likes waiting. <laughs> Let's be honest. So making reservations in advance is really important. Now the thing about making a reservation in advance and really anything you book in advance that costs money like the beverage packages, shore excursions and all that. You're going to have to pay for them at the time. It's kind of a double-edged sword. On the bad side, you get to lay out the money now. On the good side, you don't have to pay it for later on. So it helps break up the uh, bill of your cruise, the total cost of your cruise, which to me is huge because I tell you, I love cruising. I hate the bill that comes afterwards. It's like, oh, we bought all that. Uh, it's fun. But, you know, no one likes coming home to a large bill. So if you can split up the cost, that always is is pretty helpful. I think the other thing you are going to want to do, and this is true for all cruise lines, in fact, make sure you research your ports you're going to because one of the most common things people do on a cruise is take a shore excursion, right? You're going to be in a particular port for part of the day. You want to know what to do there. 
I think the worst thing you can do is not do any research, get off the ship, and then figure out what you're going to do. A, you're going to waste time. B, you're probably going to waste money on something that you weren't aware, fully aware of what it is or what it entails or if there were things that were alternatives that were cheaper or better, whatever the case may be. You want to make sure you're doing your research. There is a wealth of information out there from books to websites to message boards to help you figure out what's out there. And for a lot of ports that Royal Caribbean visits these days, let me tell you, they've been going there for a long time. So there's lots of great information. So make sure you research your ports. I think that's really important. Another thing that I think is very important also is bring a passport with you. I know for a lot of Americans who are cruising out of the United States, say, well, I don't really need one, right? I can go with a birth certificate. I read that. I heard that. Whatever the case may be. It's true, but I definitely recommend bringing a passport. It's just for your own safety. It's one of those things you hope you never have to use it. It's like insurance, right? You hope you never have to use it. But if you do need it, boy, is it a whole lot easier to have a passport than a birth certificate. I'll tell you that right now. It's not a huge deal. I mean, it's a little bit of a cost, obviously, but I think it's worth it long term, especially. And I'm very thankful I've never had to use my passport outside of, you know, flying and just the basics. But you never know, and, and I think it's really important to be able to do that. So yeah, make sure you're aware of that, I think. And the other thing is also, you know, cruise length is really important. When you're looking at a cruise, a Royal Caribbean cruise especially, how long of a cruise should I book? Oh, this is a common question that I'll tell you anybody goes through. Even I go through this. You know, can, should we do a four-nighter? Is it worth it to do a four-nighter? Is seven nights too much? Is ten nights too much? You know, I think that cruises go by much quicker than anyone ever anticipates. I think very short cruises are very appealing because they're relatively inexpensive and, you know, they can often fit into long weekends. But I'll tell you, you want to, they're just too short. I really believe that three and four night cruises are for people that just want to get away for, for veterans who've done it many, many times. They just need a quick vacation. I think really the sweet spot is five to seven nights, even eight nights is really that sweet spot of, it provides that balance of general in terms of what you pay and what you get for the cruise. And it usually fits in most people's vacation. Most people, especially in the United States here, take a one-week vacation. It should fit right in nicely with you. And it's just the right amount of time. And after that, hey, you can go on and go crazy. Do the Panama Canal cruise for 14 days or do a transatlantic for even longer. Whatever the case may be, you, you want to make sure that you give yourself the right amount of time. And I'll tell you, those three to four night cruises are just, they're so short. They go by so quickly. And you're going to think to yourself, man, I wish I had another night or two because that would have been sweet. So make sure you understand that especially. And my last recommendation I think that's really important is picking your stateroom. There's a lot of staterooms to go through. Again, this is when a good travel agent helps you, especially not just cost. I mean, cost is just a, is a minor thing, although for a lot of people it's a major thing. But in terms of picking the right stateroom for you, meaning you know, you're picking the stateroom that is convenient for what you're looking to do. Maybe you need something that is you know, very close to the pools. Maybe you want something that's very close to the Royal Promenade or the Centrum. Maybe you need a stateroom that is handicap accessible. Maybe you need a stateroom that is close by to some other people that are near you. Maybe you need a stateroom that is not above or below a public spot that's going to generate a lot of noise. These are all kinds of concerns a lot of people have. And I think you want to make sure you're cognizant of everything that goes into choosing it. And I think for first-time cruisers and first-time Royal Caribbean cruisers also, staterooms in the very front or rear of the ship can save you some money, but you may not find it as enjoyable there because of the distances you need to get from your room to anywhere else on the ship. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things that as you start to cruise more and more, you kind of know yourself a little bit better. You get a sense of what you're comfortable with, and then you can make it's a lot easier decision to do. But 
And the other thing, and this is especially true for anyone who's never been on a cruise before, boy, don't underestimate the size of your room because, you know, cruise line staterooms in general are notorious for being quite small in general. It's, you know, compared to land hotels or rooms, I mean, it's night and day difference. So don't underestimate the value of a few extra square feet when it comes to your stateroom size because I'll tell you, it can, you know, paying, you know, maybe another couple hundred dollars here, yeah, that kind of hurts when you're paying for it. But when you get on board and you've got kids and you need a little extra space, that can make a big difference. So, Sally, I hope that answered your question for you. And I hope that for others, this has helped been a good primer for how to start and where to get. Again, a good travel agent helps you with that. And, and you know, there's there's a lot to it. I'm not going to pretend this was everything and, every, and anything that you need to understand for a first-time Royal Caribbean cruiser. But I do think... This is the kind of information that is going to be important for you to be able to plan your first cruise and get you started at least. Once you're in the door or out the door, whatever the case, whatever the metaphor is, and you're and you're into it and you're ready, hey, that's when the fun begins and now you get to enjoy. The the second most fun thing about a roller curving cruise is the planning aspect of it. And hey, also don't forget you can also email us as we're about to read some of yours in a little bit here. You know, if you've got questions, I'm here to help as well. We've got a great message boards at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So Whatever uh, makes it easier for you, we're here to help you along the process. So good luck and have a great time. Once again, I want to say thank you to everyone who's checking out the podcast. And of course, I want to make sure we recognize all the people that are leaving these great reviews on iTunes. One of the things we do on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is we read the reviews that people leave on iTunes as a thank you for taking the time to, to write them because they help out the podcast. And hey, if you take the time to write them, I'll take the time to read them. And we have one this week. It's from Corolla5501 who writes, I'm currently planning a Baltic cruise later this month on Serenade of the Seas. This podcast has been very useful in letting me know what to expect on the ship and am getting me excited. Thanks so much, Matt, and I'll let you know how the Baltic cruise goes. Can't wait. Awesome. That's like a great cruise you've got planned there, and you're absolutely right. I'd love to know how your Baltic cruise goes. In fact, I love knowing about any time any of our listeners take a cruise, sharing what what really went, what worked, what didn't work, what they enjoy, and all that good stuff. So, of course, you can email me, Matt, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And I also want to make sure that everyone's aware of our upcoming live show. That's right. We're doing a live show on Wednesday, July 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That is going to be our 100th episode live show extravaganza or something like that. It's going to be our live show. Basically, it's a fun opportunity for you to be a part of the podcast live. I'm going to be doing the episode recording on the air. You'll be able to listen in. And and you'll be able to call in, in fact, with any of your questions and comments. We're going to be talking about Royal Caribbean together, and I think it's going to be such a great time. So I'm hoping you'll be able to join us for it. I'll post a link in our show notes to our Facebook event for this. That way you can get a little nice little reminder about the event, and, and hopefully you'll be able to join us for it. Again, that's Wednesday, July 1st, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Ooh, can't wait. All right, let's jump into our emails this week. We have an email from Dan Rolls of Harrison Township, Michigan. I have been a long-time listener to the podcast and want to thank you for all the work and enthusiasm you put into it. My wife and I will be sailing on Enchantment of the Seas June 19th, following three nights at the Polynesian Villas for our honeymoon. This will be my fourth cruise and her second, but our first the Royal Caribbean. Our other cruises have been with Disney, and we've been looking forward to seeing how they compare to each other. I'm thinking this will be the first of many with Royal Caribbean from all I've heard about it. I want to thank you and Michael Poole for getting us more excited for this cruise than we otherwise would have been without Episode 77. We can't wait to be on another cruise where the hard decision to make is where to eat. <laughs> Thanks again for the great podcast. You know, Dan, I think this is a common problem that a lot of people really do enjoy. Hmm, where am I going to eat tonight? And I'll tell you, <laughs> that first night back when you're done with your cruise 
and you realize, what do you, there's nowhere that to go where people are just going to make me food and just serve it to me like that. That's <laughs> uh, depressing. But I think you're going to have a great time on there, and you're going on a wonderful ship. Enchantment is a nice little ship. You're doing a quick little uh, cruise right out of Port Canaveral. I think you're going to have a great time on it. So, Dan, please let me know how your cruise goes. And I, about it, you know what? I think between you and me, I think you're going to have a fabulous time. It's, it's hard to go wrong on Enchantment. Next, we have an email from Janet. writes, Matt, have learned so much about Royal Caribbean, in particular about the Oasis of the Seas, from listening to your podcast or reading the blog. We found a cruise compass to be very helpful, but wondered if there's one available online that is more recent than November 2014. We were booked for our first Royal Caribbean cruise in April of 2016 on the Oasis of the Seas from Fort Lauderdale to Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Martin. I get a lot of mileage by reading about the ship and the cruise line in particular ahead of time. I will keep listening and reading for the next 11 months, so please keep up the great work. That's a great question, Janet. First of all, thank you for the email. And so your question is about, of course, a more recent cruise compass. So as I mentioned actually earlier in this episode, we have a section of the website at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com that allows you to look at past cruise compasses. And these are cruise compasses that I get from other cruisers that are out there. So it's not like I have a access to anything special beyond you know what you see on there. Now, unfortunately, the latest Oasis one is, as you mentioned, November 2014. But as I get them, I promise I will post them on the website and you can obviously take a look at that as soon as they come in. The thing is, I'm, I'm wholeheartedly dependent on obviously people taking time to A, save them from their cruise because most people just toss them after a day and B, scanning them in and emailing them to me. And of course, if you have any, please email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I will say though, even though that seems like it's an eon ago, November 2014, there's still a lot of information that's useful for that. And I, and I really believe that because... I'm going to be honest, Royal Caribbean doesn't change it up a whole lot. I mean, there's little things in here and there, entertainment, a little bit of this and that. But, I mean, I think even if you were to go look at, if I had one from this week, and we were to go, okay, let's compare the one from this week to the one in November 2014, you're not going to see a whole lot of difference. Yes, times and days may change, but in general, there's going to be belly flop competition. In general, there's going to be, you know, bingo offered once a day. In general, a lot of things are consistent. It's just, you know, what time of day they're offered. Okay, that may be different. But, uh, you know, the, you think there'd be more differences than there really are. Let's put it that way. So it's better than nothing what we've got on there. But I, I will look to see if I can find anything that's newer. And, of course, if anybody has anything newer, I would be love to have that on the website to help, of course, other readers out and Janet as well. So good email, Janet. Thank you very much. And let's go to our next email. And it is from John Marco. What else can I say? I've been listening every day to catch up, and it's awesome. You may, you were made to do this, Matt. Wish I could go on the group cruise, but I can't afford it. Maybe someday. Keep up the good work. Well, John, I appreciate it. And you know what? The group cruise, which we're doing on Alert of the Seas in February of 2015, 2016. Man, can't keep my date straight. And I'll post, of course. I know. You're all asking for it. A link in the show notes for the group cruise information. But I hope that you'll be able to join us, John, for it. I mean, you know, I'm thinking maybe next year, we'll, maybe we'll do a shorter one because we've done Quantum, which was eight nights, and this is going to be obviously an alert, which is seven nights. So perhaps we'll try a shorter one. Maybe we'll do a four or five nighter, and perhaps that'll be a little less expensive and we can get some more people in there. Hey, we're just trying it out. I want to see how this, how this works because I'll be honest, these group cruises are just kind of, they started as an experiment, and I had such a great time that I want to include as many people as possible on them. So let's see where people are coming to and what people are interested in. Because obviously, I do these for you as well as for me. So I want to make sure that we're putting out what's obviously of interest to everybody out there. So appreciate the email, John. Thank you very much. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy. Writes to us in reference to episode 93, Formal Night. Thinking back over the 20 years we've been cruising, the Formal Nights have changed quite a bit. 
Back in the day, the expectation was that men wore tuxedos and ladies wore formal grounds. Gowns. Today, one can still be very formal. However, many men choose to just wear a nice jacket and tie and ladies a nice dress or even a dressy casual wear and everyone can enjoy the formalities of the formal night without being all dressed to the nines. Good email, Christopher. You know what? I think you're absolutely right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it has changed quite a bit. And I think the tendency or the trend is definitely to be less formal. The Royal Caribbean obviously pushing that with the quantum class. But there's still that opportunity out there on... In fact, all the ships, even the quantum class ships, if you want to eat at the Grand, you're going to have to dress up. In fact, I saw, I think, I don't know if I've told the story on the air. There, I was waiting for my party outside the Grand, and we were, you know, waiting for everyone. Anyway, uh, and there were some gentlemen who were leaving the restaurant and gave back some jackets to the restaurant that they had borrowed to eat there. So there's still that element that's there, especially, and what I love about Formal Night isn't the fact that I mean, you know, everyone gets dressed up for the sake of getting dressed up. What I like about it is, I think I've said this before, is that outside of weddings and funerals, I just don't dress up anymore. I don't, <laughs> you know, we, we don't have that opportunity. We're not, in, we don't go to proms and, you know, it's, that's kind of the, the nature of, of our social lives these days. But the great thing about taking a cruise is there's an opportunity to dress up, which will lead to great family photos. That's what's really great about it is that we get to take some, I think all the wonderful family photos that we have of us all over the house and on our phones, they're all I think from cruise ships because they just look when everyone's dressed up, your photos are going to come out nicer. Just kind of a basic principle of dressing up, I think. So, yeah. Thank you for the email, Christopher. Next, we have an email from Susan who writes, I just listened to your latest podcast and want to respond to the person who's concerned about the size of the Oasis class ships. It took a lot of convincing my husband to cruise on the Oasis. He, too, was afraid of the crowds and the size of the ship. We had been on the Voyager and Freedom classes and really liked them. We ended up doing a back-to-back on the Oasis of the Seas in September 2010. By far, it was our favorite cruise to date. I agree that the neighborhood concept really seems to help in handling crowds. We never felt like we were crowded or had to wait for anything. If we ever did, it felt like there were too many people, we could always find a quiet spot somewhere else on the ship. We did my time dining and never made a reservation. The only time we had to wait for a table was on formal night, and it was about five minutes. We always got a table for just the two of us. Room service was wonderful, and we use it almost every day for breakfast and or afternoon tea or coffee service. Several times, they even left us goodies with a thank you note for using room service. We felt that one of the most underrated, underused specialty restaurants was the Solarium Bistro. It was never crowded, had a beautiful atmosphere, and great food. The bison steak was amazing. The shows that were were the best on there that we've ever seen on any ship. A really big point with my husband. You really need to book the reservations, though, for that. I have wanted to go out on Grandeur out of Baltimore. It's closer to home, but my husband thinks that the shows on a smaller ship wouldn't be as magnificent as the larger ships. Can you, or anyone, give me some points to help sell him on a smaller ship? Thank you. First of all, thank you for the great opinion there, Susan, in your email about why the you shouldn't be afraid of the Oasis class ship in terms of their size. And a lot of people say, wow, how many people are on this ship? Wow, that's crazy. I agree with Susan everything she said there. They really do manage people really, really well in terms of crowd control. So you really shouldn't worry too much about that. So on to your question, though, about convincing your husband now to go the other side of the spectrum. Go smaller. Go into the grandeur of the seas. Okay, so this is something a lot of people, I think, struggle with. In, in obviously, they want to make sure that they're not going to have a bad time, right? Common concern. And also, they're worried that the all the wonderful doodads and gee whizzes and wows, to borrow Royal Caribbean's marketing sl- uh, slogan, of the larger ships are not going to be there, that they're not going to have a good time or not as good a time, and they'll regret it, or whatever the case may be. I will tell you that the smaller ships still pack a lot. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, the difference between the bigger ships and the smaller ships, or the newer ships and the older ships, however you want to look at it, the, the gap has certainly 
shrunk quite a bit in the recent couple of years. Again, those revitalizations have added a lot. Grandeur of the Seas is a wonderful ship. She's been sailing out of Baltimore now for a couple of different years. First of all, the way that I, if my wife wanted to sell me on it, you don't have to. You don't have to fly. It sounds like you live near Baltimore, so you can drive. That's a huge advantage because to go on, say, the Oasis class ships, which are right now still based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you're probably going to be flying to Florida from Baltimore, right? And there's there's a cost associated with that. There's a bit of a not not formality, but there's just a lot of. Thing, a lot of hoops you have to jump through just to go on a plane, right? You have to be there, show up early. You have to deal with, you know, maybe there are delays. You have to get a hotel the night before, although I would still recommend a hotel the night before anyway. But, you know, there's just a lot of stuff you got to deal with. But if you're going on a cruise that leaves close to home where you can drive to the port, you don't have to. You don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. It makes it so much easier. I remember the first time we drove to our cruise port without flying is when we, we used to live in Florida. And we went on Freedom of the Seas, and we drove to the port. We lived about, oh, 40 minutes or so from the port. It was the best feeling in the world, I got to tell you. We packed up the car the morning of the cruise, got everyone ready, and we drove there like we were drove, driving to, like, Sam's Club or something, Costco, right? We just drove there and, like, oh, look, we're on the ship. It's a great feeling. We saved a lot of money on that in terms of not having to fly, and it it's still just as fun. Now, that that's a huge factor, and for me... Look, saving money is always a big deal, and not having to fly is, is definitely a big deal. But the other thing about Grandeur of the Seas is it still offers a lot on board. There, it's, it's a great ship, and I think that what you're going to find with with Grandeur of the Seas is that it, it does offer a lot in a small ship. It's a lot like when you remember we were doing the episode, I think it was, someone referenced it earlier, 77, I think, with when we did talked about Enchantment of the Seas. But Grandeur of the Seas offers a lot, too. There's just a lot of little things in there. There's a lot of entertainment. Now, are you going to have Broadway shows? No. But are you going to have Broadway style shows? Yes. Are you going to have wonderful... I mean, Royal Caribbean's entertainment is, I think, among the best out there in the cruise industry. Royal Caribbean has really built itself on its onboard entertainment. It's been something of a staple that they've gone for. And I think if you were to list what cruise lines are known for, I think entertainment is one of Royal Caribbean's biggies. So I wouldn't worry about it. Honestly, I think your husband... Is going to have a great time on there. It's There's still a lot to do. In fact, what I would recommend, Susan, how about this? How about you go to, we are talking all about the cruise compasses on royalcaribbeanblog.com. Go check out one from Grand Cruise. Just get an idea of what's there, what there is to expect on there. Keep in mind, it's not, one, it's not 100% guarantee what you read on there is going to be on there. But odds are, it's going to be close. You can get a good sense of what to expect. And I'm sure if any of our listeners who have been on Grand Cruise can recommend some suggestions for Susan and Susan's husband, what to expect on Grandeur. Boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot of great stuff on there. So I really wouldn't worry too much about it. I think that it'll be a wonderful experience. And hey, if you're saving money and time, how can you how can you go wrong, right? Awesome. Well, Susan and everybody, thank you so much for the emails this week. It's been wonderful talking Royal Caribbean with you. I love it. And I love that we all get a chance every week to talk about it. So, And if you want to talk about Royal Caribbean, whether you've got a question for me or you have an opinion for someone like Susan or you just want to share your feedback about something that you've read online, maybe something that you've a cruise you've just come off of, whatever the case may be, whatever's on your mind, let's talk about it together. Emailing Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Send me the email. We'll read it on the show, and we'll talk about it together. Cannot wait. Thank you all so much. And again, that'll do it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>